faithwire.com. Hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. Today's Thursday, July 8, 2021. I'm Dan Andros and coming up on the podcast today, multiple churches have been burned by arsonists in Canada. We'll have the details on that developing story. And Black Lives Matter chapter has declared the American flag a symbol of hatred. Why Limbless Evangelist uh, has launched a bank for pro-lifers. We'll give you the explanation there. And Sean Penn has condemned cancel culture as ludicrous. We'll have all of these stories and more with Trey Gones Phillips from faithwire.com. And Trey, uh, just a quick on your Sean Penn story there. I mean, he, I think he mentioned that it's kind of like Soviet style, this cancellation. And I think, um, I'm not sure that he recognizes the irony there because he's kind of a big <laughs> fan of the Marxist, Leninist, Stalinist <laughs> system, isn't he? Well, it was. So it was actually uh, uh, Conan O'Brien who he was talking to. He was the one who made the the, the Soviet reference, and then mm. immediately after, Sean Penn said he agreed with it. So, <laughs> I mean, you're you're right about like it is. Yeah, it's kind of a, a weird place for you know why would why would Sean Penn agree with that when he's got a history of supporting <laughs> of being that. pretty yeah. comfortable with this kind of stuff? Right, um, it's like hanging out with Hugo you know, Chavez. I guess I kind of, at this point with the cancer culture stuff, I take what I can get. Like if you're going to jump <laughs> right. on board with me right. uh, on being against this kind of unhelpful stuff, right? I suppose I will set aside your contradictions for a minute and, right. just, be, and just be happy about right. it. Right. The enemy of my enemy, so to speak, is my friend in this particular yes. case, is the theory. No, I'm not, but... not saying that Sean Penn's my enemy. I'm just saying, you know. Yes, when the, ideologically. When, the, when you've got the overlapping, the... Um, what do you call it? The Venn diagrams when they're when your circles yeah. are overlapping there, you know, just right. take it. Just take it when you got yeah. it. So, well, before we get into the podcast, Dan, I have to say for any of our Marvel listeners, like mm. happy Black Widow Day. Yes. You know, because that is coming to the theaters. It is. Tonight, I, I will, long awaited. Yes. Long awaited. I'll be going there tonight. I'm, I'm a late comer to the you got, after some goading. I finally binged <laughs> pretty much all of them. And so I'm all caught up and I am going to the Black Widow. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It, yeah. It's easy to support Scarlett Johansson after she said, you know what? Right. You know, actors and actresses should just shut up and act. It's yeah. kind of like, all right, uh, you know, I can get down with that. She was kind yeah. of one of the earlier like Hollywood opponents of cancel culture. She might not have said it and used the words for it. But like what you said, when she kind of was just like, I'm an actor, like I'm. <laughs> Why are you getting upset when I play roles that are not me? I'm I'm not any of these people that I'm playing. <laughs> right. um, so you know you're right. I'm I'm always happy to to go see a movie with her in it. Yeah, there we go. So we'll be doing that tonight, and we are going to dive right into story number one here. And Calgary authorities have said a church building was intentionally set on fire Sunday evening in southeast Calgary. It's the latest in a string of arsons that have destroyed or damaged. Uh, at least eight churches, maybe more, in Canada, leaving Christians rattled in the wake of the attacks, which began just weeks after the first of uh, multiple press releases regarding the locating of unmarked grave sites near residential schools. Uh, there's more than 1,000 unmarked graves at these sites of these former residential schools that were institutions that were part of um, what a commission found to be an abusive system 
um, of cultural genocide as described by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. So the story there is for decades, beginning back in the 1800s, thousands of indigenous peoples from Canada were taken from their homes and families by the Canadian government and shipped miles and miles away, uh, in some cases thousands of miles, and placed into these so-called residential schools. Um, and so now they're finding these unmarked grave sites there with kids in them, and it's, it's obviously very disturbing. But a former sidekick and right-hand man to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who posed for a photo op with a little teddy bear at one of the grave sites, um, a guy named Gerald Butts, Butts responded to a tweet about the churches being burned, and he described the attacks as, well, understandable. Um, given the past. And so um, it's unclear as to how many students died or what their causes of death were. Um, Very, very hard to say. But many of these attacks are happening on indigenous lands now where there's still currently, you know, descendants of indigenous people there. And, And so, and then a lot of the people also had nothing to do with these past wrongdoings in these churches. And this particular church is from Vietnamese immigrants, so obviously they weren't here and nothing to do with this. So um, nobody in, in power is and the politicians are really condemning or talking even about these church burnings and telling people, hey, let's not burn the churches in response to this. Two wrongs don't make a right. Um, so as for the latest attack, though, CBC News reports that emergency crews came in after uh, multiple calls came in about the building uh, that's owned by House of Prayer Alliance Church. Uh, which is a congregation of about 230 people, mostly made up of Vietnamese refugees. And so uh, the fire department told the network that it was mostly confined to outside of the building, but the interior did have smoke damage. And if you've ever seen fire damage, it's not good. Even if the building doesn't burn down, the fire and the smoke can ruin pretty much everything in there. Um, But the church's pastor said that, um, he said, I don't know who did this. I don't know what happened. I'm sad. I'm not very happy because, you know, we're from Vietnam. We're refugees. We come here looking for a new life with a new church here. We think we're in a good country, but I think that we have to be more careful. So obviously, quite obviously, this church, um, which isn't even connected to the Catholic church, which is, I guess, what most of the churches were that, that had those residential schools were part of, were run by the Catholic church. Uh, many, many years ago, they're not even connected to this. So they have not, absolutely nothing to do with this and their church is getting burned down. So um, very, very troubling development here in Canada with all these churches burning. So what's the right and left saying? Well, not not specifically uh, much, really, and because you know, these politicians have not really commented on it, um, but you do get a lot of the um, comments like, yeah, well, it's understandable. We can understand why people are mad. Um, so not really much on the condemnation front. So why does it matter? Well, it matters because it's the same. It's eerie, Trey, because it's the same systemic complaint and rationale yeah. is being used to now justify or minimize these acts of violence. We saw the same thing in America where people were burning stuff down and looting, looting cities all across the country last summer. And it was excused by saying, well, you know, you can understand it. And yeah. so Canada seems to always be a step ahead of us on the shock factor when it comes to this kind of stuff, burning down churches. Um, but we're not far behind. And, I, you know, I think it's 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 a little troubling, the mentality uh, 
we're accepting when we see the results of what happens. That's been part of my frustration too with the, all of the backlash, which we've talked about this before, which it was appropriate, but the the criticism and condemnation of what happened on January 6th, right? And how awful that was. Uh, but there was no mention by those same leaders, the same like politicians, whatever, uh, about all the looting and burning and destroying of businesses and, right. and residential areas and stuff over the summer, you know, summer 2020. Um, and it's like, I, I don't really understand this. How is it that we can excuse certain kinds of violence, even deadly violence, if we can just say, well, it's justified because their anger is is permissible? Like I, I don't, you know, we were all taught as kids, like you can be anger, but don't angry, but don't act out in your anger, right? Like don't lash out at people in your anger. That was always like a principle that I was taught. But somehow when it comes to this systemic stuff, there's a different set of rules that we apply, whether it's through indigenous peoples in Canada uh, or minorities in the US, like it just, it's this odd unspoken rule yeah. that we've applied to certain groups where it's okay uh, and other groups where it's wrong when really lashing out in violence should be wrong across the board, no matter who you are, uh, because it's just not helpful. And it ends up leaving so much damage in its wake. And a lot of times deadly damage, uh, like we've talked about here in the U S and in Canada as well. So it's just, uh, I think as Christians, it's something we just have to be, be prayerful about and also kind of be, present to to provide some peace to people um through christ you know that's where we get our peace and that's where we get the calmness uh, that we have is from from our relationship with god so we just have to try to 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 be that uh, and present that to people amen well said so all right story number two uh, so the Utah chapter of the leftist black lives matter movement has declared that the american flag is quote a symbol of hatred so in the July 4th post, uh, the group also condemned those who fly the flag. Uh, when we black Americans see this flag, we know the person flying it is not safe to be around, the Facebook post read. When we see this flag, we know the person flying it is a racist. When we see this flag, we know the person flying it lives in a different America than we do. When we see this flag, we question your intelligence. We know to avoid you, the post continued, because the flag is a symbol of hatred. So the Utah chapter of the organization went on to scoff at Facebook users who took issue with the condemnation published uh, on Independence Day, uh, adding it would donate $1 to Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's campaign, quote, for every racist that we block. And the group said that it would not pledge allegiance to the flag, it would not stand for the national anthem, uh, and members will not respect a piece of cloth that you respect more than black lives. So that's a quote that they they posted in the comment section under their initial mm -hmm. post. Uh, so pretty strong condemnation there and all on the Independence Day weekend. Uh, so what's the left saying? Well, I mentioned this yesterday, Dan, but Representative Cori Bush, who's she's a black representative, she offered a similar sentiment. Uh, she's also a Democrat. She tweeted on Independence Day that July 4th is, quote, for white people. Mm -hmm. uh, and What's the right saying? Well, Senator Ted Cruz immediately condemned Bush's comments as hateful and divisive, and conservatives on social media uh, have been calling out the Utah Black Lives Matter chapter as well as uh, Cori Bush for their uh, respective posts, saying that they're just divisive and not helpful uh, and, and end up being more harmful than anything by kind of isolating people into their, their camps, whether it's based on the color of their skin or their political identity. So why does it matter? Well, this kind of divisiveness is just not good for anybody. I don't see how it ends well. It's not ending well right now. 
Uh, I think it's part of the the div divisiveness is part of the reason why we got to the violence that we got to last summer. Uh, it, was, it was because we've we've isolated ourselves or we no longer can relate to one another, it seems. Um, and, I, you know, we need to be able to unite around common ideals. And that's the flag is supposed to symbolize, symbolize those common ideals, that, that united uh, belief system and culture. And if we don't have a desire to come together over shared experiences and values, Dan, I just I don't see how we can have a national culture at all. Yeah. Yeah. And um, man, I really, you know, listening to the details of their mentality and their viewpoint. Yeah. Can you imagine if let's just say all these activists in like Black Lives Matter and people who support Black Lives Matter and, and the way they're sort of coming down on people. If they started their own country, what do you think it'd be like? Yeah, it's <laughs> it would be, not a happy I, place. It, no, I, I feel like it would be terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it would feel like one of these Middle East oppressive, you know, raise the fist or else. Um, yeah. Like, that's what it would feel. I'm that, that's what I picture anyway. When you look at their rhetoric, um, it just just seems like it's got that vibe. Yeah, and I just, I don't understand, I don't get how, uh, you know, on paper, like the claim is that all of this is about creating a better country and a better culture. Uh, and it's like, but then the, the symbols, like the, the things that we use to represent our culture uh, are derided, they're, they're dismissed as awful. Uh, it's like, so you, uh, really, you just want to completely dismantle the entire thing. Like, you stop trying to sugarcoat it. Like, you want to dismantle everything that right. is, right, and create something else. But I think the problem is, is that uh, so many uh, are are so focused on just destroying what is that they're not aware of the fact that when you destroy what is, you're not going to have anything that's just going right. to magically crop up. Like, what what are you? What's going <laughs> to be there on the other side once you've destroyed yeah. and dismantled and everything? This, and yeah, and and. I 100% agree with that. And I, if you look, and I, and I know there are well-meaning people who are just caught up. They want to, sure. you know, be, yeah. they want to treat everybody fairly, and they just get caught up in the language. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I want to be an ally. I want, I want people to be treated equally. But when you look at these activists, even the Black Lives Matter organization itself, they're trained Marxists. They have a bigger agenda. Their agenda is not just, oh, we want to address racism. Those yeah. activists want to destroy capitalism. Because they yeah. believe the system, that's why they talk about systemic racism, they believe the system is racist, yeah. and they believe there is a better way to do it. But like you said, you you can't create, you don't even have the chance to create something different until you tear down the old. So that's what a lot of these activists are doing. And anytime there's one of these groups, I challenge you to go to their that group's page, look up their beliefs, find their about, look at the people that are running it. And nine times out of 10, you're going to find some sort of radical progressive leftist at it who does yeah. not believe in the capitalist system and the free market system. They don't believe it's fair. They think it's racist. They think. And so they want to destroy it. And, you know, Black Lives Matter made that very plain on their homepage and yeah. you know had to delete it because people saw it. and were like, oh, well, that's not good. 
But uh, well, because so. you know, like, not only do they are they opposed to capitalism, want to take that, you know, dismantle that, they're also opposed to the nuclear family structure, mm-hmm. like the whatever that means. Like it's the the family structure of a father and a mother and children. Like how would, that has been like the backbone of the of any successes we've had as a society, right. Uh, right. and to dismantle that is is problematic. And and, and that's part of the reason why I'm sure certainly had to delete their their yeah. about page because like oh if people see how absolutely radical we are they're probably not going to be as as keen to getting on board yeah and again the family it's like people are like why would they want to, why would they be against that again that's what they believe when you we talk to Vody bacham and you know the hegemony and the power structures they believe yeah. the family is one of those things that perpetuates uh the status quo of our culture and so that's another reason why they want to destroy that and be against it because they believe it you know perpetuates the exact things that are causing all the problems today all the the gender roles and the and the stereotypes etc cetera, etc cetera, and the problems they the inequalities they supposedly see they again believe that it comes that's one of the systems and structures holding it in place and so right in order to change it you've got to change it and destroy it so yeah and again well-meaning people you know that's why they've tinkered with language i think the left has tinkered with language so often because they want to get the average person on board with a radical mission without them really knowing they are and so they've been successful at that sadly so yeah, for sure. It's just about being informed. And that's why I'm glad that we have Faithwire and CBN so our audience yeah. can. And not just us. There are other outlets that sure. do that too. But that's something that we we try to provide there. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's get into story number three here. Evangelist and motivational speaker Nick uh, Vucevic announced that he plans to start um, a bank that supports pro-life efforts after learning that many financial institutions donate to organizations that endorse abortions. Uh, he said he, you guys, you guys might remember him. He's the one that he has no, he has no limbs. He has no arms, no legs. Ama- amazing story. Amazing guy. Um, yeah. Christian, outspoken and, um, uh, you know, is outspoken about his faith and his testimony is great. So he kind of gave his story about how he began to speak out against the innocent killing of unborn babies against abortion back in March of 2019. Within a few months of of that, he said, we had a grenade in our house, a false magazine article published against me, a lawsuit threat, a spying drone, and a bank kicked me out. He said the bank kicked them out with no warning. They froze credit cards, froze my debit cards. So they gave me a letter to say that they did a review of me as a client and they don't want anything to do with me. Uh, The pro-life advocate, he chose to take on a new project uh, in light of this, these events with a a good friend named Betsy Gray, um, who is a financial executive. Uh, And so they decided to create a pro-life bank and and he is now excited to, to go on this mission and educate others by exposing banking networks that partner with abortion providers he said, we want to tell everyone that there's a choice coming for you. And not only will this be a for-profit bank, we're actually known as a forgiving bank. He said, we will not fund abortion, but we will... Uh, forgiving not being like, a, like I forgive you, but in, in favor of giving. Uh, yeah. So they're going to actually donate uh, to different organizations. He said, we won't fund abortion, but we'll actually fund 50% 
of our net profits to Judeo-Christian-aligned nonprofit organizations that are biblically aligned in doing the will of God according to our belief system. So it's the left saying here, well, the left hasn't, that I've seen really commented at large too much about this particular incident specifically, but uh, the pro-choice movement has powerful allies across all different industries, and a lot of it's because of those linguistic tricks to promote abortion under the guise of healthcare and choice. Yeah. And so what's the right saying? Well, the right often sort of points out the negative effects of being pro-life as, you know, we get painted as somehow wanting to save babies. You know, that's somehow the negative side of the issue. And so why does it all matter? Well, Trey, it matters just because more and more, I think, secular progressives are are kind of seeking to wield their power structures. You know, we've seen it in big tech. Uh, we've seen it in media. Um, Christians, you know, and their beliefs are sort of being pressed against and, you know, the cake bakers, no longer it's acceptable to just be pro-life or have a traditional view of marriage and relationships. You know, having those views now is putting people at more and more at risk of being ostracized and even and even prosecuted in some cases yeah. um, just for their beliefs. So you're seeing, I think that's a big difference here that we're seeing a move from just having the difference to, okay, you know, Secular progressives have power in a lot of different areas, like big tech, for example, like Hollywood, and they're kind of really cracking down. Yeah, and I think that's that's a, a, a disappointing consequence um, of the cult, I mean, among many, of the culture that we've created is um, this feeling like we have to create two separate industries, right? There's an industry for uh, the secular world, which yeah. is obviously kind of like the one that's that's leading the way right now. They have entertainment and they've got the the media and politics and all that stuff. Uh, and then there's there's the conservative and certainly Christian uh, groups. And not that Christians don't want to participate in in mainstream society. I mean, I think most of us do and want to. Uh, it's just that in in certain instances, particularly when it comes to abortion and increasingly when it comes to sexuality and gender identity and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's there's a hostility. Uh, from the secular world at those who have a conservative view and certainly those who have a Christian view of sexuality and a Christian view uh, of life beginning at conception and all of that. So it's, I don't think it's that people just want to isolate themselves to isolate themselves. Uh, they're, they're feeling pressure. Like we have to isolate ourselves and create these other industries because we'll be pushed out. Like our, our view will be uh, more and more fringe and less and less societally acceptable. Uh, so it's unfortunate that we've created this kind of almost two Americas and how we operate and how we think. Um, and you know, I think that this is an interesting idea though, the, the bank idea. Yeah. Um, and hopefully there'll be plenty of people, non-Christian and Christian who kind of join in because I know there are plenty of non-Christian people, even plenty of Democrats I've talked to as uh, several who are upset with the, the leftist movement and the democratic party that's been infused with this really progressive wing. Yeah. Uh, they said, you know, we feel kind of homeless now because I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more leftist than, than Republicans, but I'm pro-life. Um, so anyway, all that to say is I hope that people of, of all political persuasions and religious beliefs can kind of come on board with an idea like this, because uh, I think there's, there's a whole lot of pro-life people and it's not just conservative Christians. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So, all right. Story number four. So I promised yesterday that I needed to kind of get a more positive story. Uh, and this one is, this one's kind of positive. It's, yeah. it's a good, it's good news. Um, so we've talked about this for a while now, but uh, even some of the most left-leaning Hollywood stars 
Uh, now Conan O'Brien and Sean Penn are coming out against cancel culture. Uh, so in the July 5th episode of O'Brien's podcast, uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, that's the name of his show, uh, he condemned cancel culture as, quote, very Soviet. Uh, Conan O'Brien said, empathy is a very important word and also forgiveness. Uh, he then asked Sean Penn his thoughts on the push to destroy people's careers over their past mistakes. Uh, O'Brien said, we found that someone did something in 1979 that is now not appropriate, so they are dead to us. Like, we have to just kind of eliminate them from, from polite society altogether. And Penn agreed. Uh, he called cancel culture ludicrous. Uh, this was the most interesting comment, though. So O'Brien had praised Penn for his performance in the 2008 movie Milk, uh, in which Penn played the late LGBT activist Harvey Milk. Penn, who's a straight man, uh, he admitted to O'Brien that in today's day and age, in our culture that we've created in 2020, 2021, he wouldn't even be allowed to play that role uh, as a straight male actor uh, because Harvey Milk was a gay man. He said, today, almost certainly, I would not be permitted to be cast in that role. We're living in a time when if you're playing a gay lead character, you'd have to be a gay man or a trans character in real life. Uh, and there have been these casting issues he then said that in today's society, you wonder at some point if only Danish princes can play Hamlet. Uh, it is, I believe, too destructive. People are looking for gotcha moments and for opportunities to criticize. I definitely couldn't agree with him more. I think he's spot on on the, on the mm. problem uh, that he's pointing out. I don't know how we're going to solve it, but at least people like O'Brien and Penn are acknowledging that there is an issue. Um, so what's the left saying? Well, there are plenty of people on the left who see cancel culture uh, as a good thing. I've referenced this a few times. Sunny Hostin, one of the co-hosts of The View, uh, she's repeatedly praised it on the show as a very positive phenomenon and should be renamed consequence culture because it's a net good uh, for our culture. Uh, but there are some, though, on the left, like Barry Weiss and Bill Maher and even Sarah Silverman, who have called it out as bad and, and ultimately destructive. Uh, so it's kind of a mixed bag on the left right now. And what's the right saying? Well, conservatives, for the most part, are united in their opposition to cancer culture. We've covered that uh, plenty on the podcast and on Faithwire. Uh, so why does it matter? Look, I'm happy when anybody, Dan, like rich, yeah. poor, famous, regular, liberal, conservative, Christian, non-Christian, I don't care you know, what your, what stripe you are, uh, anybody who comes out against cancel culture, I'm, I'm happy for them to, to, join, uh, to join that push. So my hope is that eventually the group opposed to cancel culture outgrows the group supporting cancel culture. And I think we're starting to maybe to maybe see that tipping yeah. point. I don't, I don't know. That's the optimist in me. So as Christians, you know, we just know that it's entirely antithetical to the gospel. Yes, of course, people should be held accountable for their actions and their words and all that kind of stuff. But Jesus also tells us that we're all made in his image. We're made in God's image. And by default, that means we're redeemable, uh, you know, through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and all and all of that. So we need to be able to treat other people that way. And when they make mistakes, certainly as believers, that's an opportunity to share God's love and grace and forgiveness with them. Instead of this kind of this a secular version where it's like, if you make a mistake, you mess up. It's like ah, one and done. Like you're, you, you can't be part of uh, part of normal society anymore. You, you need to be rejected because that was just beyond the pale. And it's like, I, we're digging up things that people did in like 20 years ago. Yeah. It's like and, I mean, Kevin Hart. What was it? He posted some tweets. How many years ago? This was a couple years back and he was removed. He couldn't host an award show anymore right. uh, because of tweets that he posted many, many years ago for which he had already apologized. It's like, really? 
Yeah, and uh, the, the thing that makes Christianity, one of the things that makes Christianity unique is the aspect of forgiveness and grace. And we've talked yeah. about this, but that is just an aspect that is completely missing in our discourse today. It's you yeah. listen, you shut up, you listen, hear my story, my story trumps yours, uh, and now you got to make it right. You do the work. There's no offer of forgiveness there's no offer of grace, none of that. It's just completely missing in yeah. the discourse today. And it's the key component of Christianity. If you are a Christian, that should be front and center. And you should not be seeking vengeance. You should not be seeking payback. You should not be seeking those things. Um, yeah. If you want to reconcile, somebody's got to you know, offer some sort of sympathy or apology and the other person has to offer forgiveness and grace. And yeah. we're not going to have reconciliation until you have that. Well, and like you have to, we have to recognize that a lot of these people and Conan O'Brien kind of acknowledged this too at a different point of the podcast is a lot of these people who are, our secular world is saying, well, they need to atone. They need to ask for forgiveness. It's like, for what? They had a different right. opinion. Like a lot of times right. this cancer got like, we're canceling them, not because they did something wrong, but just because they had an opinion that somebody else didn't like. Yeah. Uh, and that was what Conan O'Brien said. He said, I mean, so what happened to forgiveness? We should be able to forgive the people who say something that was immature or wrong or whatever. But he said, there are also people like, why are you asking for forgiveness for that? You had an opinion, your opinion changed, or you even kept the same opinion. And just because somebody doesn't like it doesn't mean that you've wronged them. It You'd just be, means yeah. that you've got a different of a difference of opinion. Right. And and you you would be apologizing all day long. Anybody yes. who's ever done a <laughs> podcast or spoken in public or been on a radio show, whatever the case may be, people complain no matter what you say. You can say the sky is blue. Um, no, what are you talking about? You know, they complain about it. So there's always someone who's got a complaint and you're yeah. never going to make everyone happy. So have your opinions. And like you said, if you actually wrong someone, of course you should apologize, but, sure. but otherwise it's, yeah, I completely agree with code. And what are you apologizing for? And I think honestly, if more people would, and companies and corporations would just say, here's what we believe. I don't care what the online egg accounts on Twitter say, <laughs> we've thought this through, this is what we believe, and we're going to go yeah. with it. The, the, with the it. complaints would die down in like five minutes, you know, and most of them are ludicrous. Let people have their complaints. Let them disagree. Just move on with life. And people are afraid to do that now. They want to try to make everyone happy, and it's an impossible, uh, impossible goal. So I'll leave it yeah. there for today, Trey. We are out of time. As always, for more news from a Christian perspective, Head on over to faithwire.com and cbnnews.com. Make it a daily visit. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Go leave a rating on iTunes for the love of everything. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to do that. I don't listen to them on iTunes. I just listen to them uh, on the web browser. So I'm one to talk. But God bless. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Same place. Probably same time-ish, maybe. <laughs>